And welcome to another edition of Sanctified Reason. Sanctified Reason is a podcast where Dan Dozell and myself, Son Edom, talk about the things that go on in this world through a biblical perspective. And Dan, last time we talked, we talked about how religious people can still be unsaved. And if people want to listen to that podcast, if they had not heard it and understand what we're talking about, you can go to Radio Warp. That's RadioWARP.com, RadioWarp.com. Click the Sanctified Reason logo and the shows pop up and you can go to uh, the podcast episode and listen to it. But, you know, I often think about some things that are in the scriptures that are kind of interesting. For example, when we talk about the unsaved, when we talked about the ungodly, because what I want to talk about here is, you know, God justifies the ungodly, but not the self-righteous. And I think about the scripture where it says, you know, it takes the, the faith of the uh, size of the grain of a mustard seed. And if you've never seen a mustard seed, it's actually pretty small. And so all it takes is faith, that much faith to get into heaven. It talks about, you know, the faith of a child, you know, a child just blindly believes usually most anything that a parent will say. Um, All you have to do is have faith, you know, confess with your mouth and believe in your heart. No works are necessary. We think about the thief on the cross and, you know, he was right there, you know, today you'll be with me in paradise, hanging from the cross next to Jesus and probably lived a, a sinful life, you know, his whole life and never really had any opportunity to do anything except at that moment in time, except Jesus and believe. And then you talk about, there are many people, then the Bible goes on and talks about how many people will say, Lord, Lord, but will not enter the kingdom of heaven. And so there seems to be two different Paralleling, paralleling issues going on. And when you talk about the ungodly, when you talk about the unsaved but yet religious people, you start to get to this little mix of maybe confusion as to whether or not somebody may or may not get into heaven. And so I thought that's why maybe we can talk about God justifying the ungodly. And then are these people, which the ungodly might be someone like the thief on the cross, And then the self-righteous, are those the type of people that say, Lord, Lord, and not get into heaven? And so I thought maybe, you know, we can kind of touch on that as we start the conversation and just kind of get your thoughts on what your interpretation of all that might be. Yeah, absolutely, son. You know, um, the article I wrote about uh, God justifying the ungodly but not the self-righteous, it it kind of... um, uh, is based uh, in large part on a, a passage in Romans 4, 5 that says, to the one who does not work, but trust God who justifies the ungodly, their faith is credited as righteousness. Now, when you read that in the context of the chapter and the entire book of Romans and the entire New Testament and then the entire Bible, you see very clearly that it's not promoting an idea that uh, believers uh, don't have works because, um, you know, uh, Christian believers do have works in their life as a result of being connected to Christ. Uh, You know, Jesus said, I am the vine, you are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. But but when it says there that Christ uh, or that God uh, who justifies the ungodly we we tend to think, Son, that God justifies those who've shown that they're worthy 
or God justifies those who've done enough to um, merit something with God, um, that that God wouldn't just justify, you know, some horrible sinner unless they really take some steps and some strides um, to improve themselves. And that, of course, is not at all what the, the, the Bible and the New Testament teach. Um, the Bible teaches that God does justify the ungodly, that anyone who comes to the Lord in repentance and faith, like the thief on the cross you mentioned, um, you know, he was ungodly, as all of us are. And he was justified. You know, he said, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And, and Jesus said, I tell you the truth, um, today you'll be with me in paradise. And, and so we do serve a God who justifies the ungodly. Uh, the Bible says there's no one righteous, not even one. And self-righteousness is a part of ungodliness, but what keeps self-righteous people out of the kingdom of God and why their sin really prevents them from being justified. You know, it's not that they're any more or less ungodly than, let's say, the thief on the cross. They're certainly ungodly, but in their arrogance and self-righteousness, um, they are not in a position to humbly repent and believe the good news because they assume that their own righteousness, their own works, their own religion, you know, this is where we get the term self-righteous. They are, they are self-righteous in their own eyes. And, and Jesus said, I did not come uh, to call the healthy, but the sick. And so unless you see that you're a sinner and cannot save yourself, um, then you're not ready to come to the Lord. And, and this is why the harshest words that Jesus had in his ministry were for the self-righteous religious leaders of his day. Um, they wanted nothing to do with Jesus. They felt they were too good for him. They felt he was a fraud. They didn't believe he was the Messiah. Uh, they didn't bow down and worship him. They didn't repent of their sins. They felt that, that they were doing everything necessary uh, to be accepted by God. But Jesus made it very clear to them that they didn't know the Father because they didn't know Jesus and because they didn't believe in Jesus. They didn't know um, the one that they claimed to know. So, yeah, this would be a great discussion as we think about, uh, you know, God justifying the ungodly, but not the self-righteous, uh, not those who are too proud to be saved and, 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 and unwilling to, to, to put their sins on Christ rather than trying to make up for their sins, trying to cover their sins, trying to wash away their own sins with their self-righteous behavior. See, it sounds like it comes down to one thing. Now, we can't do anything like we've talked about on this podcast many, many times, practically probably every conversation we have, we try to include it, that we can't do anything on ourselves. We can't work our way to heaven. We can't do anything. It's God coming and saving us. Jesus' blood on the cross and our belief in that and our repentance of our sin is what saves us. But it goes a little bit beyond that when we just make that decision because there is a decision that has to be made. It's either A, we recognize the fact that we are sinners. We, rec uh, we recognize the fact that we do fall short and we rec uh, recognize the fact that we need a savior versus 
the opposite of where we understand that, you know, the religious people might understand um, what they think is going on, but what they, but what they fail to do is they fail to recognize their own need for a savior. They fail to recognize their own sin. They fail to recognize the fact that they fall short and that they need a savior. And even though they might think and might believe in some of the things the Bible says, they still fall short of recognizing their own fallen nature. And so then it comes down to, the ungodly recognize their fallen nature and and are in real, and realize they need a savior, whereas everyone else is okay. I don't need a savior because I'm fine on my own. Yeah, that's what it does come down to, son. And there are so many people in the world that are assuming that their works are going to get them into heaven. You know, if you ask. Uh, someone, if you were to die today and stand before God and he were to say to you, why should I let you into heaven? What would you tell him? Now, I would encourage every listener to the podcast who is hearing these words to go ahead and try to answer that question just for yourself. What would you say to God? It's kind of a self-test, if you will. And by the way, the Bible in the New Testament does say, test yourselves to see whether you are in the faith. Do you not realize that Christ Jesus is in you? Unless, of course, you fail the test. So I would encourage every listener just to try to answer that question. What would I say to God? And I'll tell you, son, as I've asked that question to people really over the last three to four decades, um, you know, there have been so many people who responded with answers like, well, you know, I'm trying my best or, um, you know, I'm not perfect, but, but God understands that. But I, you know, I, I, I read my Bible some and try to go to church and try to do some good things. Um, I try to love my neighbor. You know, I, I try to live by the golden rule. Um, I try to love other people uh, as I would want them to love me. And, and so... All of those answers have a place in a Christian's life in terms of those activities. But when a, when a person's motivation and attitude is to rely on those things to be accepted by God, um, the scriptures say that you're actually under a curse because you're trying to do what only God can do. You're trying to wash away sin when only the perfect Lamb of God can wash away sin. You're, you're, you're hoping that your good quote, un, you know, quote unquote, good deeds can make up for your bad deeds. And here's the truth of the matter. You could perform thousands, tens of thousands of, of, of noble works, let's say, over a period of many years. And you know how many of your sins that would wash away? Not one. Because it's only the blood of Jesus that washes away sin. And that only happens when a person trusts in the Savior for forgiveness. You know, a prayer I like to encourage people to pray, son. And of course, we've, we've talked about this on the podcast. Um, but just a simple seven-word prayer, wash me, Jesus, with your precious blood. Wash me, Jesus, with your precious blood. So as a sinner, which we all are, turns to God in repentance, 
and trust in the cross, this is how a person is forgiven. So I'll answer the question that I posed. You know, if God were to say to me, Dan, why should I let you into heaven? I would say something like, well, Lord, I don't deserve to get in because I'm a sinner. But I believe that Christ is my Savior and that he died on the cross 2,000 years ago and shed his blood for my sin. And he rose on the third day. He paid the price for my sin that I could never pay. And I'm relying completely on Christ alone. See, that's Christian faith, son. Uh, it's got nothing to do with um, the works of the believer. Now, I didn't say works aren't important or that God doesn't care about that, because there always are going to be works wherever there's faith. Uh, you know, there will always be works, uh, just like whenever you have a person who's alive, um, when their spirit is alive, then there will be, there'll be breath. But when the person is dead, there's no breath. There's, there's no oxygen. There's no breathing going on when you are deceased. And every person who is spiritually alive is, is, is having God work in them because their bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit, and he is producing good works through them. Now, granted, you know, some believers are a lot more good works than others, because let's face it, there are some believers who are much stronger in their faith, and, and they've grown uh, in, in, into uh, to spiritual maturity, um, whereas there are some others who are still infants in the faith. Um, you know, Paul identified those in spiritual infant, uh, infancy in, in Corinth, and, and he, he referred to those who were quarreling and grumbling with one another. He said, you know, are you not a worldly, um, you know, mere infants in Christ? So, uh, you know, there's a difference in how many good works uh, believers do, just like there's a difference in your own family. Uh, let's say you've got a couple of teenagers at home and a couple of toddlers at home. That'd be quite a range in years, but let's say you have that. Um, there's going to be quite a difference in the amount of work the teenagers will be able to do versus the toddlers. And the same is true uh, with the Christian faith. But be that as it may, um, works never create faith. Works never create faith. So, so if a person is lost and not yet saved, you can't work your way into the faith. It's impossible. You can't work your way into the forgiveness of sins. That's impossible. Jesus paid it all. Now, you can believe your way into the Christian faith. You can believe your way into forgiveness. You can believe your way into the family of God. You can repent and believe your way to heaven. By accepting Christ and trusting in him. And then God will start to work in you and through you. But it's going to mean, son, a person um, turns away from any self-righteousness where you're trying to justify yourself. And for all those people who would answer that question, well, I'm trying to live a good life. What else could I say to God? But I'm trying to live a good life. You know, um, well, there's definitely something else you could say. It's interesting, son. Sometimes when I'm talking to somebody, and many times it's maybe somebody I just met. And I'll say, I know you don't really know me, you know, at all. We just met and, and, uh, you know, I'm, I'm told you here I'm a pastor and so forth. But I said, what do you think I would say? Cause I, I kind of wanted to see how their mind is working. If they've even thought through this at all. And most of the time they have no idea what I would say, you know, no idea what I would say, which is kind of interesting to me because it, it, what it shows me, son, is there are millions of people just in our country alone who have no clue what the gospel is. They have no clue. 
Um, they have no clue how a person gets justified before God. Now, I'm not condemning anyone or judging anyone. It's, it's very sad that that's the case. And you and I would be in the same boat if, if God had not gotten the message to us. So, you know, we're just like, you know, beggars telling other beggars where we found bread. You know, we can't take any credit for that. But what I'm saying is, there are so many people who don't understand the simple gospel, but truly the gospel is the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes. Uh, but at the same time, as the Bible says, the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. So there are many lost people who think just this very topic that we're talking about today, they think it's foolishness. They say, oh, that's just for weak-minded people, um, you know, who believe in a make-believe heaven and hell. Um, but but I'm, you know, I'm independent and strong, and I'm enlightened. At least that's what they think, you know, because that's the way our natural mind thinks without, without God. You know, it's like, hey, why would I need to accept it? something those weak-minded Christians are talking about, all that mumbo-jumbo about Sin and and uh, and the cross and salvation. Who needs it? Who needs it? Well, that's natural man, son. That's that's the way any of us. That's the way you and I would be if it wasn't for the Holy Spirit working in our hearts through the gospel. So, um, God justifies the ungodly. It's the only way you get in um, by being justified by God. And and you know you haven't done anything to get in. You can't do anything to get in. But but God does not justify the self righteous, those who who think they're too good, who who think they're already in by their own works, by their own merits. You know how they would answer the question, "What would you say if God said to you, Why shall I let you into heaven?" They'd say something like, "Well, because I've done this and I've done this and I've done this," and that's exactly what the Pharisees told Jesus, and that's why Jesus rebuked them. You blind guides, you whitewashed tombs, you brood of vipers. Um, those were the religious leaders of the day. Jesus didn't talk like that to the tax collectors and, and, and prostitutes and adulterers because they knew they were lost. You know, Jesus uh, came for people who know that they're lost, but he did not come um, for people who are self-righteous. I mean, unless they repent. Now, you know, uh, any of them could have repented and they could have gotten in on, uh, you know, God's mercy and grace. And some of them hopefully did. You know, Nicodemus, of course, came to Jesus. He was a Pharisee. But by and large, it's seen the majority of the Pharisees were just too proud to be saved. And you're not going to be saved in, in, a, in a spirit of pride. It's only when God works repentance in your heart and faith in Jesus and humility um, to realize he's the creator. You know, he created me, but I'm sinful, but he loves me nevertheless. And I'm forgiven by the blood of Jesus. So just say that, my friend, tonight before you go to bed. Just say, wash me, Jesus, with your precious blood. Try that. I mean, if you believe it, you know, I mean, if, if it's something that's in your heart, um, you watch, you listen, you uh, pay attention to what happens. And say that every day if you need to. Until you know that you know, hey, I'm forgiven because of the cross. I'm forgiven because of Christ's sacrifice, not because of anything I have done. You know, when you talk about uh, God justifies the ungodly, you write that it's a it's a concept that people really don't or can't really understand because it's a it's completely revolutionary to man's natural way of thinking, and I think even. Some Christians, some people that do actually believe the Bible, they might actually have a hard time kind of understanding this because what happens is I think this is where there's um, some danger for people. Okay, so yes, at some point in time we're unsaved and we come to that 
recognition that we need a Savior. So now we become saved. We ask Jesus into our heart. We pray the prayer, wash our sins away. We believe, we truly believe. But now we get comfortable, and we get in the, in the, in the comfort zone, and we start to slowly live a life thinking that we're saved, but yet our actions and things we do drift us apart. And so it's something that we have to stay cognizant about and not just rely on what people would say is a one-time conversion. Because even in that one-time conversion, even though it's genuine and real and we can be saved, and it's still dangerous to think that as we grow in our Christianity, we become more and more self-righteous because we think we know the answers and we start getting more into the religion, which is what we're talking about last time, about the religion or the business of religion or the business of Christianity or the business of living that Christian life versus having a relationship with God. And I think that's where the dangers can can come for people and realize that that's how you become self-righteous because you at one time you needed Jesus, but now as you grow confident and mature in your faith, you start to drift away from that and you start to realize that, no, I'm good and I'm now self-righteous would there be any truth in that you think well you know son i i think that that does happen and i think all we have to do to to see it uh played out is is turn to that new testament book of galatians where they had something very much like uh that going on you know um paul had proclaimed the gospel um there in galatia but they started to uh, be infiltrated by some false teachers who started getting them focused on works as a supposed basis for their justification. You know, it'd be like if, if somebody was building a home, son, and, and they, they laid the foundation. All right. And, and now, um, you know, they're, they're, they're starting to, to build on that foundation. Somebody comes along and says, no, no, you need to do this to lay the foundation. Um, you haven't really laid it yet. Um, and, and, and that's kind of what was happening in Galatia. And, and they were trying to tell the believers, Hey, until you're circumcised, you're not really justified. And it was completely false. It was a uh, very, very, um, harmful teaching that threw many people there into confusion, uh, about their salvation. It would be like if somebody said today, well, you're not really saved unless you speak in tongues or you're not really saved unless you're a, a Baptist or unless you're a Methodist, um, you're not really saved unless you, you know, pray a certain way or, or, or give a certain amount of money or whatever the case might be. Um, and in Galatia, you know, Paul wrote to them, you foolish Galatians who has bewitched you before your very eyes. Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed as crucified. I would like to learn just one thing from you. Did you receive the spirit by observing the law or by, by believing what you heard. Are you so foolish after beginning with the spirit? Are you now trying to attain your goal by human effort? And that was the problem in Galatia. Um, they'd been saved. Uh, at least it appears that, that many there had been saved, but now they were being given spiritual poison. Um, you know, there would have been nothing wrong if those teachers had said, hey, you know, circumcision, I mean, you know, uh, if you would like to incorporate that uh, into your life of discipleship, but but they, they went way beyond that. They made that a requirement for salvation. 
And, and, and the only requirement for salvation, son, Jesus said in his first sermon, repent and believe the good news. Turn away from sin and trust in Christ as your Savior. Now, the other issue that you raised, though, in that question is what about those who, like those in Galatia, um, they, they, you know, they get saved through faith in Christ. Um, they get saved by trusting in Jesus, because that's the way it works. Um, you, you are saved through faith. Uh, you know, and, and it's not even through um, a prayer. It's through faith. Now, a prayer might be part of your profession of faith in Christ when you receive him, when you accept him. That's great. That's fine. That's good. But ultimately, it's faith. You know, so, so even if you don't pray a prayer, if you just transfer your trust, you know, no, in fact, nowhere in the Bible does it say, well, you're not saved unless you, you pray a certain prayer. I mean, many people have come into the kingdom of God that way. They, they prayed a prayer. And, and I often will, in many of the articles I write, sign, you know, I'll have a prayer at the end and invite people if they'd like you to pray that prayer as a way of kind of professing their faith in Christ and receiving Jesus. So there's nothing wrong with that. But we don't want people to think that, well, you know, because I prayed a prayer. No, it, it's because of what Jesus did for you on the cross. And now you're trusting in him and not in your works, not in the law, but then you raised the point, son, it's a very valid point, what about those who then just kind of kind of neglect their spiritual life and they fall back into maybe just old patterns? Well, this is where the spiritual maturity needs to kick in. This is where we need the Word every day, we need prayer every day, we need the Holy Spirit every day. Um, it's like I said in a recent message on, on Sunday, I said, you know, many times God's people, Old Testament, New Testament, us living today, many times we experience three steps forward, two steps back. So, you know, we make some progress in the Christian life by God's grace, but then we take a couple steps back uh, by maybe behaviors or thought patterns or decisions, okay? Um, so um, it doesn't mean we're not saved, but but the Bible says do not put out the Spirit's fire. And and sin, uh, sin does that. Uh, the, the Bible says do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God. So he's living within us. And it's just like when the Bible says, do not go to bed at night angry. Do not uh, give the devil a foothold. We could list on dozens of sins, and all sin grieves the Holy Spirit. And so as we grow in the Lord, think about like a child in the home. The more that child wants to please his or her parents, the more that they say no, the child that is, to the things that they're being told not to do. Um, and of course, the more that the, the parents have a, a loving relationship with the child, it's not only about rules, but it's about a relationship. It's about growing in that relationship between parent and child. Uh, you know, when that happens, it's a beautiful thing. And the same is true in the kingdom of God. But you're going to get people along the way who are going to, maybe they're going to start out and they're going to seem to be on the path with Christ. But, but here's how you're going to know, though. Um, when a person starts to lose interest in the gospel, which nobody's ever been saved except through the gospel, um, except through, you know, John three sixteen that God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son so that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. The only way to get saved is through the gospel because the gospel is the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes, Paul wrote. So I, I think what happens, uh, and it can happen to all of us, and I'm sure it has at times, 
we start to lose our zeal for the gospel, for, for what Christ has done for us, and then we start to kind of maybe fall back into some old patterns or, or this or that, um, and, it, and it hurts our spiritual life. Now, it doesn't mean that God leaves us. It doesn't mean we're no longer saved, uh, but... Um, you know, there's really no such thing as just neutral. There, there, there's no neutral gear in the Christian life. There's forward and there's reverse. Um, if you try to keep it in neutral, um, son, the Christian life, it, it's like we're, we're in a vehicle and there's a little bit of an incline and, and we're aimed up. Now, the power of the Holy Spirit is going to get us up that hill, meaning, I mean, we're already saved because we're in the car, all right? But growing in the Lord is like going up the hill in drive. If we put it neutral, I'm just going to coast for a while. My Christian life take some time off. You know, in Acts two 42, it says they devoted themselves to the apostles teaching to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer, the big four. Um, so they got together often around the word of God and, and they prayed together and celebrated the Lord's supper together and encouraged and prayed with one another. So these things are all needed so that we keep going forward. Um, you know, if we just, Put things in neutral, we start to coast backwards. Now, that doesn't mean necessarily at all that we're like just completely falling away from the Lord or something, but we are losing ground. Um, and, and the biggest sign that we're losing ground is our zeal for the gospel is diminishing. Our love for the things in the world is, is just greatly outpacing our love for the things of God. Um, but this is where we need to be in the word. We need a steady diet of the word of God in our hearts every day. We need prayer. Um, so a lot of these things that we're talking about, we have to diagnose and describe, are we talking about a lost person, an unsaved person, a self-righteous person, you know, are we talking about a, a Christian who's an infant in Christ? Not gr Are we talking about a mature Christian? Um, but I don't care who they are or how long a person's been a Christian or how mature or not they are. The only way into the Christian faith is through the blood of Jesus, through faith in him. And anybody who maybe comes in that way, which is the only way to come in, of course, uh, anybody who comes in, uh, if they start to be... Um, deceived in their mind. Oh, well, now maybe I think God accepted me because of something I did. Well, then, you know, just like in Galatians there, uh, the, the Bible warns, you know, all who rely on observing the law are under a curse. That doesn't mean all who try to, like, follow the Ten Commandments are under a curse. If you rely on the law to save your soul, if you rely on circumcision, or rely on, you know, the fact that you're trying to honor your father and mother, so I think God's going to accept me one day because I do that. No, don't rely on the law. Seek to obey the law once you're saved, okay? Once you're saved. Because, because once you've trusted Christ, yeah, seek to obey the law, not in order to be saved, but because you've been saved. And that right there, son, is the key distinction. Uh, that's what separates Christianity from every other religion in the world. That's why the religious uh, leaders in Jesus' day hated him so much, because he did not bow down to them or to their self-righteousness or their rituals or their practices. And, and he referred to them even, believe it or not, he referred to them as children of the devil. He said, you know, you do what your father does. You know, they, they claim that Abraham was their father and God was their father. And Jesus said, no, time out, guys. Um, let, let me tell you what's going on here. Um, you know, the devil is your father. Um, now, Jesus would have loved to have them repent. But, you know, he told it like it is. I mean, well, what was Jesus going to do? Tell him something that, you know, just to make him feel good? Um, they, 
you know, they were on the road to hell and many of them I'm sure died uh, on that road to hell, but you know, they had Jesus there. They're going to have a lot of explaining to do when they stand before God on judgment day. And they're not going to be, they're not going to come into heaven because they were religious leaders. Only those who would have repented and believed in Christ and been saved will, will, will be led into heaven. Those in white robes that the Bible talks about, um, who, whose faith is in the blood of Jesus, not in their, in their, uh, their own righteousness. So yeah, that's a, a good question. You asked son, I think about this issue and there are just a number of different angles. Um, that, that the Bible uh, shows us on how to, how to address these things. Yeah, so basically it comes down to, Dan, that, you know, do you recognize your sin? Do you realize you need a Savior? Do you realize that you're ungodly, unrighteous, and lost, uh, lost apart from Christ? And if you're aware of that, and you're aware of your spiritual sickness, and aware that Jesus came for sinners, then you're ready to receive Jesus. Now, once you've done that, like I've alluded to, you know, you become saved, and then... Um, you know, now you're walking with Jesus, but to avoid that self-righteousness and to avoid that separation, there's something that God left for us when he went into heaven. That's the, you know, the Holy spirit. And so now you have the, the Trinity, the third part now enters into it. And so, you know, the only way as you write, um, the only way to know truth about God's nature and God's plan of salvation is to believe what our creator has revealed in the Bible. And apart from Scripture, we can only speculate then the nature of God and God's will. So we go to the Bible to find out exactly yeah. what God is and what his will is and what's, what he's about. And then yeah. Jesus said, um, the spirit of truth comes and he will guide you into all truth. And so yeah. as we now are saved, okay, we realize that God the Father sent his son, Jesus, to die on the cross to save us from our sins. We believe in that. Now Jesus has gone back to heaven, but he's left us the spirit of truth. So as long as we are in the word and we are studying and learning about God's nature, God's plan of salvation, we can rely on the Holy Spirit then to guide us to make sure then that we don't become self-righteous. So how can the Holy Spirit then come into play when we're talking about the ungodly, the self-righteous, and those that are saved? Well, I, I go back to that, that verse I, I referenced earlier, son, do not grieve the Spirit of God. Um, you know, we, 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 we grieve the Holy Spirit when we grumble, when we complain, when we hold grudges, when we use bad language, when we um, sin. You know, when we sin, we grieve the Holy Spirit of God. So, um, you know, the Holy Spirit is very sensitive. Um, and and since, just think about the name of the third person of the Trinity. He is the Holy Spirit. He is perfect in holiness. Um, you know, I, I've, I've heard someone describe the Holy Spirit as, as a gentleman. I mean, you know, he, he's, he is very tender. Um, you know, you know, it's like son, um, think of, you know, when the Bible describes our, our three parts of body, soul, and spirit. Um, think about three concentric circles, you know, the body and then the soul and then the spirit. The inner core of man is the spirit that that, that comes alive uh, through faith in Christ. Jesus said, you must be born again. Now your soul is your mind, your thoughts, your emotions, your decision-making ability. But here's where I'm going. Um, so I believe that that inner core, son, is very much like the most holy place in the tabernacle of the Old Testament um, where the priests would go in. They'd go into the holy place. Well, there was the tabernacle itself. 
and, and then there was that inner sanctum, the holy place, and then the inner inner sanctum, the most holy place, you know, where only the high priest in once entered once a year and never without blood. So I would equate that to like a person's spirit, that inner core. And and I think um, when we talk about a Christian being a spirit-filled Christian, we're talking about a Christian who's who's yielding themselves, following the lead of the spirit, um, and their soul then is being largely filled with the fruit of the spirit, the joy, the love, the peace, the power of God, power to pray, power to witness, you know. No. What happens when we grieve the Holy Spirit? Thankfully, son, he doesn't say, I'm out of here. You know, um, you know, forget this. This person's supposed to be a Christian, um, supposed to love God. You know, uh, look at that grudge. I mean, how can I stay in this person? So I believe what happens, and, you know, only God can say for sure how this all plays out. But, but, I, but I believe what may happen, son, is this. Um, I, I believe that the Holy Spirit has... Um, a way to protect himself from sin by retreating back in, not even really retreating because he's already in the spirit, in our inner being, but, but almost isolating himself in there for a while. Um, what I mean by that is, you know, it would be like if in your house, you're saying some things you shouldn't say to your spouse or your parent or, you know, your child. And the person you're offending says, you know, Hey, I'm, 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 I'm going to the other room. You know, I'm going to go in there and close the door. I don't even want to hear this anymore. You know, what you're saying is so offensive. It's so, um, you know, just mean. All right. So they go into the other room, they close the door. Now that's a human son. That's one sinful human wanting to get away from another sinful human because, um, somebody is, is, is oppressing their loved one by their speech or their behavior. And, and, and if men and women, men and women and young people need to at times get away from that, how much more does God at times need to pull back from the, the, the full house of our being? Um, I would say back into that inner core where he came in originally when we were saved to begin with that that's you know the that ultimately uh is i would say where where god dwells within us son within the believer now i believe though he also then moves out into the realm of the soul um and, and that's when we start talking about a spirit-filled believer or um walking by the spirit um be filled with the spirit um flowing in the power of the holy spirit so what are our goals then as christians we want to live a spirit-filled life, and the only way that's going to happen is that we grieve the Holy Spirit less and less by the grace of God. Or, or as it says in Titus, um, the grace of God teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions. Because, son, when we say yes to ungodliness, I believe the Holy Spirit retreats within us, um, not, uh, you know, in some act of like, oh, I'm, you know, I, I can't, you know, stand you per se, but it's, I can't stand what you're doing because I am holy and that is sinful. And no, God's not. I mean, it's a miracle song that God comes to dwell within us to begin with. But there has to be just like with the, I believe the tabernacle, the, the most holy place, uh, uh, the holy place. I believe there has to be a way for God 
to remain in us, which he does. I mean, and you notice what Paul said, did you receive the spirit by observing the law or by, or by believing what you heard? So the literal person of the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Holy Spirit comes to dwell within us at conversion. Okay. At conversion. Um, uh, but then, and I think this addresses the question you asked, um, how do we flow? In fact, I just uh, started jotting down a couple of notes today for an article I'm going to write, sign called Riding the Waves of the Holy Spirit. So how do we ride the waves of the Holy Spirit? Well, um, by saying no to sin in our mind, in our heart, in our decisions. Now you say, well, how can I do that, Dan? I'm not perfect. No, of course you're not. But Jesus is. Um, he helps us. He helps us. He teaches us. The Word teaches us. But but we kid ourselves if we think we're going to live a spirit-filled life while we're choosing to hold grudges, choosing to say things we shouldn't say, choosing to think things we shouldn't think. So we need the Word of God cleansing, renewing, filling, empowering us, all the while knowing, son, that it's the blood of Jesus that cleanses us from all sin. Because even if, let's say... Let's say that we're really grieving the Holy Spirit. Let's just say somebody's holding a grudge, okay? And now the Holy Spirit's kind of retreated back into the inner core, into the spirit there. And 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 one of the evidences of that in your soul is that you 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 lose some of the peace of God, the joy of your salvation. You lose some of that that love. You know why? And you say, well, why is that? Where did God go? Why is God, why would God want to hang out in that room, in the living room of your heart, when you're going to choose that sin? And I'm saying that to all of us now, son, to myself, to all of us. Why would God, he's not going to do that. Um, but he loves you enough. Um, he's going to go to his room. And if you want him to fill your heart and fill your soul, then show him by giving him those things and those rooms that you've been hanging on to, that, that you've been just with your self will and, and, and maybe giving into temptation again, son, this is all of us. I mean, we all can relate to that. Uh, I think, you know, so, so that's a very fluid situation. The spirit filled life is very fluid. Okay. We're not moving in and out of salvation just because, you know, many days we move in and out of being filled with the Holy spirit. He's still there. Um, we were saved by grace through faith. But I will say this, son, if I'm not experiencing much power for prayer, hunger for the word, love for God, love for others, um, if, uh, you know, desire to reach others for Christ, if I'm not experiencing those things, then, um, you know, I need to look and say, Lord, uh, please fill me again. And Lord, if I'm doing anything that's grieving you in the kitchen, in the living room, in the den, you know, um, in the bedroom, uh, you know, this bedroom, that bedroom, that guest bedroom. Uh, I mean, if I'm doing anything in those areas of my heart, Lord, that, that, that grie is grieving you, then show me that. Uh, just as the psalmist said, keep your servant also from willful sins. May they not rule over me. Then I'll be innocent of great transgression. So, so that's the way families grow closer to one another. When they say, hey, show me if I'm doing wrong so I can apologize. And I'll try to do better. And so why should it be any different in a relationship with God? And, and I think that's part of our growth, son. I think it's not only part of our growth, though. It's a big part of whether we're living a spirit-filled life. But but that's not just a once-and-for-all kind of a thing. That's a daily. Anybody who's been married, and, you know, Tammy and I have been blessed to be married now going on 32 years. Anybody who's been married, anybody who's raised kids, okay, you know that your family life is fluid, you know that every day it takes work, it takes focus, it takes attention, it takes prayer, you know, it takes God in the middle of it. So, um, 
you know, I think that's, that's the life of discipleship that we've been blessed to have, son. And, you know, one day we'll get to heaven as Christians and we'll be filled all the time with God's love. But here, you know, D.L. Moody said, hey, we need to be filled up every day because we are leaky vessels. And, and I think that's a good way to say it, son. We, we, we're leaky vessels. It's not a lack of God's power, but it's a lack of his power at times in our soul because we're not, we're not riding the wave, you know? where we're doing something that's this grieving the Holy Spirit, let's say. And, um, and so we can learn from that and grow from that. And God will help us because he wants us to ride the waves of the Holy Spirit. You know, Dan, we've had the conversation before that there are people out there who call themselves Christians, genuinely believe they can quote the Bible. They go to church every Sunday. But you take something as simple as what Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me or but through me, depending on your Bible translation, meaning that Jesus is the only way to get to heaven. But yet people will quote and they will subscribe to many reasons or other ways that you can get to heaven. And we've talked about that. You know, I, I use the example of a of the Frank Sontag show, which was a Christian talk show where we posed that question out there. And people had all kinds of you know, they would, they would give us the resume, their Christian resume of going to church, being raised in the church and all their church stuff. And you know, they memorize the whole, you know, Bible and they read through the Bible every month, you know, and all this stuff. But yet they reject something as simple as there's only one way to heaven. The other thing that seems to be a huge rejection by some people in the church that are quoted as saying they're Bible believing and they can do the exact same thing with their resume that is, they reject the, the Trinity, the Holy Spirit. Why do you think that is? Why is the Trinity one of the hardest things for people to understand? And why does the Holy Spirit get rejected when it comes to, you know, belief in the Trinity? You know, um, the, only, the only way, Son, that we as Christians come to believe and accept the truth about the doctrine of the Trinity, that, that God is three persons in one God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. It, it's only by being saved, you know, through faith in Christ, and then standing on the Word of God, because human reason would tell us, well, you can't have three persons and one God. It doesn't make any sense, which, by the way, is why the Mormons and Jehovah's Witnesses reject it, because they're putting their human reason above what Scripture clearly teaches. Uh, for example, when Jesus said in John 16, but when he, the Spirit of truth, so the Holy Spirit comes, he will guide you into all truth, all that belongs to the Father, so there's the Father, is mine, that is why I said the Spirit will take from what is mine and make it known to you. So all three persons there are mentioned in that passage, just like in uh, in Matthew uh, 3, where uh, it says, as soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. At that moment, heaven was open, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and landing on him. And a voice from heaven said, this is my Son, whom I love. With him I am well pleased. So there again, Son, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, it's in the Word, it teaches that. And, and, and here's kind of what I've noticed, Son, you know, as a pastor now for, um, you know, 32 years and, and a Christian, you know, for longer than that. But um, I've noticed, Son, that when a person is a believer, then the Holy Spirit is living within them because he came in at their conversion. He worked that miracle of conversion. He made their body a temple of the Holy Spirit. And what I found, Son, is that I have found that Christians— um, do not have a hard time accepting the truth 
of, of the Trinity. Now, that doesn't mean any of us can fully explain it. But, but what we can say is that there are three persons, and there is only one God. And, and it's something that we, we've come to accept, and, and we don't have a hard time accepting it. Uh, but the people who have a hard time accepting it, son, are, are um, like in the cults, for example, um, where they, they rely on their human reason. And that's why Mormons and Jehovah's Witnesses reject the doctrine of the Trinity, because they don't preach the gospel and when you don't preach the gospel, you don't have the Holy Spirit coming to dwell within people. You can end up with some very moral people. I mean, I think most people would agree that outwardly, you know, Mormons, you know, kind of seem like um, maybe a Leave it to Beaver family. And Tony Dow here just passed away this past week. You know, Wally, Cleaver. Um, but you can be a moral family and, and you can do that without the Holy Spirit living within you. There are ways that can be done. Um, or you can, you know, live a, a moral life with the Holy Spirit. So it, it's it's not about, you know, your outward life. That doesn't, that's not what creates the Holy Spirit in you. You, you. you cannot work your way into the faith. So it's about trusting Christ, like we've already been saying, you know, multiple times here in the podcast today. Um, so, you know, believers... Uh, accept the doctrine of the Trinity. And I'm not saying you're never going to have a believer maybe who is struggling with it or wrestling with it. And, 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 but, but I would just say in my experience on, um, by and large, people who trust Christ as savior seem to be able to quite easily accept the clear biblical teaching that God is one God and there are three persons and they are co-equal and they are co-eternal uh, which, you know, you, you've got the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, the Mormons. Um, they they preach another Jesus. They were not, not the Jesus of the New Testament, although they would claim that he is, but they preach a Jesus who is a created being. Well, that's not the Jesus uh, who is part of the Godhead, the Trinity. Um, that's a Jesus of their own making. In fact, um, years ago, son, I don't know if it was 1987, uh, but Gordon Hinckley, the uh, president at the time of the Mormon uh, organization, he just, he came out and he, he wrote, he said, um, he was very honest. He said, Hey, the Jesus that they talk about, you know, among, you know, like evangelical Christians, he said, that's not the Jesus that we're talking about. So I wish they would make that clear today, but unfortunately they don't. You know, I think they confuse a lot of their people. Um, they confuse people who don't know anything about Mormonism. And, and, and they say, oh yeah, you know, we all believe in Jesus. Well, it'd be like San if I said, well, I know, you know, San Edom, and, and he's a 75-year-old man who, who lives in Buffalo, New York, and he's a welder. It's like, you might be like, well, whoa, hey, you know, fine. There may be a Sanitum there by that name, but it's not me. You know, not me. So if you import a new meaning and you have the name, which is what they have, it's very, very um, dangerous. Very, very dangerous. But I would say Mormons, and, and I've known Mormons, I mean, very moral, very nice very kind, but all of those things don't bring the Holy Spirit into you. And, and the doctrines that their church teaches don't bring the Holy Spirit into you. And don't get people saved, redeemed, justified, born again, and forgiven. It just makes people religious. That's all it does. That's the same with Jehovah's Witnesses. And I'm not saying, son, there are plenty of people in, in quote-unquote Christian churches who are all in the same boat, you know, who have fallen into the same thing. Um, because there are. 
Uh, in fact, I was very alarmed years ago when I they, they did a, a survey of 5,000 people who attend Lutheran churches. And they asked them, hey, what is the, the basis of your hope for going to heaven? Why, why do you think you'd be going to heaven? And I'll tell you, son, um, half of them pointed to their works as the basis of their hope for heaven. And I would say, son, any of those who truly believe that they're saved by their works, that's every bit as dangerous to their soul and, and keeping them out of the kingdom of God just as much as Mormon doctrine would or Jehovah's Witness doctrine. So it's not just in the cults. Where, where Satan is leading people away from God and just into some sort of religion or morality or, you know, works righteousness or self-righteousness. I mean, sadly, son, you've got a lot of, uh, quote unquote, Christian churches where you've got a lot of people who don't know the gospel and they're not relying on the gospel. Um, and, and, and in some cases, you know, pulpits aren't preaching the gospel very clearly at all, very effectively at all. Um, and here again, we need the Holy Spirit because none of us can do this. Son. None of us are up to the task. It comes back to the Holy Spirit. I mean, why, why, why do we think the day of Pentecost happened? Because the disciples, were they couldn't have taken this message out there. But once they started riding the waves of the Holy Spirit, wow, the world was turned upside down. Not by their power, by the Holy Spirit's power. So the three of them are working together, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. They always have. They always will. And and this doctrine, Son, that you're raising here, um, this is a critical doctrine in the Christian faith. And I would say anyone who denies the doctrine of the Trinity is, is on very, very, very dangerous spiritual ground. And, and they're probably also teaching a works-based salvation because those two seem to go together most of the time. Uh, but it's a critical doctrine, Son, that we, that we present clearly and, and, um, and accurately. And, and it's not a, a secondary doctrine, the doctrine of, of one God in three persons. You know, Dan, as you write, you know, Jesus never turns away ungodly people who come to him in sincerity, humility, repentance, and faith. And then once you do that and you're part of the family, then two of the most basic tools that you have that should be in your arsenal is the Bible when you're reading and meditating right. on that, obviously prayer, and then yes. you have the Holy Spirit to guide you. Yeah. And so yeah. if you start there, and uh -huh. you continue with that foundation, that fundamentals, whatever you want to call yeah. it, but you start there, and then you get into a church, a Bible-believing church that's preaching yeah. the gospel, yeah. and then you're gathering amongst others and you know, yeah. communing with others, and then you go from there. But you start with the basics. First, believe and accept. Yeah. Then you've got yeah. the Bible, you've got prayer, right. and you've got the Holy Spirit, and then now yeah. you've started your journey on the right path. Amen, son. Yeah, I, and that's what we see happening in the book of Acts, you know. Um, when when the apostles went and, and started preaching uh, the gospel after being filled with the Holy Spirit, um, the Lord worked powerfully uh, in their midst, and, and many were saved. In fact, um, you know, the very uh, familiar passage in Acts chapter 2, where uh, Peter was preaching, and he said, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, so that your sins may be forgiven, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And then a few verses later, those who accepted his message were baptized, and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. 
Uh, and in the very next verse is the one I quoted earlier, Son, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship and the breaking of bread and to prayer. So it's just as you said here, Son, it's, it, it's accepting the message, it's repenting and believing, and, and then immediately starting to fill your mind and heart with the Word of God and letting that continue then for the rest of your life. And, and starting to be engaged in prayer. And, you know, I, I like to encourage new believers to read the Gospel of John. That's a great book to begin with. Read the Gospel of John. Uh, but then make sure you're reading the Bible every day, meditating on it. Like you said, Son, having a, a Christ-centered, Bible-believing church where you're being fed the Word of God weekly and, and you're growing with other Christians and you're fellowshipping with them and celebrating the Lord's Supper uh, as the early church did, interestingly, every week, um, not as a ritual to get a check in the box, but as, as a reminder every week, we wouldn't be here if it wasn't for uh, the cross. We wouldn't be here if it wasn't for what Jesus did to, to, uh, to pay for our sins. And so that's why um, the Lord's Supper is such a powerful meal of remembrance of what Jesus did, and, and also just a, a meal that strengthens our faith. But that, that was the big force on in Acts 2.42. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. And you nailed it here a second ago. On that's how it works. No, because see, a lot of people they 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 flip those around. They say, oh, "I'm going to go to a church, and, and that that's what's going to get me accepted by God." Well, um, unless you repent and believe, unless you trust in the gospel, you can go to church and not be saved. You know, walking into a garage doesn't make you a car. Um, so salvation is found in no one else, so there's no other name uh, given to men by which we must be saved. Um, believe in the Lord Jesus, and you will be saved. And and so that's the order sign you mentioned it, and that's what we're here to do as Christians, and that's what I know, you know you're doing through the podcast. We get to partner together, and it's a joy for me to do that with you on, on the podcast here. And Christians that, that you and I know, you know, many other Christians that we know are doing the same thing in, in, in churches and in ministries. And um, and so I would just encourage every listener today, um, meet the Lord, you know, uh, get connected to God through Jesus. Pray, wash me, Jesus, with your precious blood, and then pray, use me, Lord, use me to reach my family. Because, friend, if you don't reach your family, who's going to? Who's going to reach your family? I mean, you know, if you're just starting to come into an awareness of this, it may be that, you know, the rest of your family doesn't have a clue. But God will use you, um, and he'll use you powerfully. So pray, pray, pray. Be open to uh, the power of the Holy Spirit using you and working through you. And, and son, I think, um, yeah, I think all of these things are just, um, they all work together for the glory of God and to the making of Christian disciples. Dan Dozell, author of many articles at thechristianpost.com. You can go to thechristianpost.com and use the uh, search engine or the magnifying glass. Just click on that and type in his name, D-A-N-D-E-L-Z-E-L-L, and all his articles pop up. And um, Dan, we appreciate all the time that you uh, set aside for us and for your insights and for the conversation. And again, we look forward to our next time and that uh, we just thank you for you being available to uh, discuss these issues with us. Oh, it's always my pleasure, son. Thank you. It's just great to partner with you on, on this uh, wonderful gospel message, and I, too, look forward to next time. And if you'd like to hear uh, more episodes, you can go to our website, RadioWarp.com. That's Radio W-A-R-P, RadioWarp.com. 
Just click on the Sanctified Reason logo, and that brings you to the Sanctified Reason page, and all of our podcasts are there. You can scroll through and see if any of the titles interest you, but uh, I know that um, if you click on any one of them, you'll be blessed, and there's something in there that you will be able to benefit from. And uh, again, we just appreciate uh, you listening, and we do thank you for listening. Do tell a friend. I'm Son Edom, and until next time, this is Sanctified Reason. You have a great week, and God bless.